Hello, internet friends, and welcome back to another episode of Go Ask Alice, the show where we jump down random internet rabbit holes and bring you wonderful factoids from our adventures in Wiki Wonderland. I'm Drew, and I seriously can't believe it's not butter. With me is... <laughs> I'm Lindsay, and I did get those free sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sarah, and I remembered to take my antidepressants this morning. Yay! (laughs) This is the show where we pretty much just wander around Wikipedia, but we try to put rules on it. Um, We start out on the same page every week, and we click away from that page using links in Wikipedia until we stop on something probably unintentionally that we cannot stop ourselves from reading. So this week, we started on Banana. Banana. Um, I personally wandered very far, uh, but somehow came around to edible adjacent things. <laughs> edible, edible adjacent. adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, did, where did you guys? Oh no! Oh my god! I'm like so excited. That I'm jumping. Question in. of the week. Question of the week. We can't just jump in. We have to warm up. We have question to warm up. of the week. Okay, so this week's this week's question is: What is not a domesticated animal slash pet that a thousand percent should be, and it's a travesty that it is not? Lindsay, do you want to go first? Yeah, I feel like I have a bad answer, but um. I just think foxes would be really fun to cuddle. Yeah, they look so soft and so <laughs> floofy. And they're so pretty. It's like, I don't know, like no offense to my cats, but like I see them out of the corner of my eye and I mistake them for like anything. It's like, oh, my pillow. No, cat. Wait, pillow? <laughs> like, you know, like, you know. But if there was a fox in your house, you'd be like, holy shit, that's a fox every time. They're just like super <laughs> bright and cool. And then the, then you'd be like, can I snuggle with your tail when you're done snuggling with your tail? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a fancy looking cat. Yeah. Or dog. Or dog. I'm like, I'm yeah, not sure. actually. Probably more like a dog. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Drew? I, uh, I don't know too much about them, but I would definitely say koalas. <laughs> I feel like they're kind of cool. They're, um. Th- you know what? Go on. Oh, no, no. You'd give me your reason why you think why you think you'd love one. See, I was thinking either koalas or sloths, mm. and I feel like a sloth would be a lot of fun to have at home, but I feel like a <laughs> koala is like a little more cuddly than a sloth because sloths are kind of, you know, a little, <laughs> a little gross looking. Thank you. <laughs> they do look stinky. So koalas, they look super cute and very cuddly, but they can actually be little shitheads. Um, they get okay. they get really grumpy, and so and they their claws are like full on talons. Um, so <laughs> if you if you ever Google um, like koalas fighting, so when it's mating season, the males will fight each other, and their screams. <gasps> I didn't know they had that. They scream. They scream, and it sounds like bloody murder. Like this is not something you hear every day on the streets, but every now and again, someone will like video it from you know outside of the city and you remember how insane these little little murder bears are they're very cute but holy moly just their scream (laughs) gets me (laughs) i don't know if i'd want something that screams now that i think about it (laughs) you already know no no take back no take back no take back the screaming teddy bear (laughs) 
screaming teddy bear that scratches my eyes out. Great. <laughs> you made your bed. Now lie in it. <laughs> lie in it. <laughs> Sarah? Oh, okay. I thought about this one, and I think my number one thing is a raccoon. Because oh. they're so oh. cute. And they're so cheeky. Like, all the videos. So smart. Yeah. And they just, yeah, they just seem like cheeky little little pets that you know i feel like i would be very happy to have one in my house and there's that video you oh sorry oh sorry there's a video do you have <laughs> sorry. Okay, okay, go. Okay. <laughs> okay yeah video yeah, yeah there's a video yeah. of this man who feeds like the raccoons in his neighborhood like he gets like a I don't know what the equivalent is in pounds, but he gets a few kilos worth of like sausages from Costco and he sits out on his deck and he just hands out the sausages to the raccoons and there's like 30 of them flocked around him with their little hands grabbing the sausages and I want to be that man. (laughs) That's adorable. I love that as like a retirement plan for you. Me too. It's in the, it's in my dream, my mood board, my vision board. Oh my god. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Lindsay? I was gonna ask if you have them in Australia. No, we don't. I wish we did. Oh, so they're exotic animals. Yeah. Whenever I go to the States I, was... I hunt them down. Visually. <laughs> <laughs> I was out for a walk the other night. It was like maybe dusk. It like really wasn't even that dark. And they crossed the street in front of me, like a pair of them. Oh. They were like pretty chunky. And I was like Oh my god! Like you know, like I froze just to watch watch them in all their glory, you know, under like these twilight glistening street lamps, oh. and they crossed the street and uh, just full on fucking climbed up a tree on the other side of the street, <laughs> and then a, like a car drove by, and I was like, that car has no idea that there are two raccoons in that tree that it just drove by. <laughs> like it's just it's like this really weird secret that I didn't even want to have, but I was like. There are koalas. I mean, fuck. There are, there are raccoons <laughs> in the trees. There are raccoons in the trees right now. Uh, I love it. I didn't know they do that. That sounds like a magical night. <laughs> it was. It was a little, it was like a dark Miyazaki movie. <laughs> dark Miyazaki movie. <laughs> uh, amazing. All right. Shall we, shall we see where we got to? So we started on banana. Where did you end up, Lindsay? Skip me because I need Drew to pronounce it. Oh, <laughs> wait wait i'm gonna send it through our discord okay um all right so should i go yeah drew where did Uh, you end up so um i i didn't end up very far from banana i ended up on seedless fruit okay it's like a little is a banana a seedless fruit you bet it is very interesting but uh you know you probably ended up a hop, skip, and a jump from banana. I ended up like a hop from banana. <laughs> uh, I landed like a hop, skip, and a jump almost in a circle. Like I said, like food adjacent. <laughs> where did you end up, Lindsay? Um, Drew, where did I end up? Crouch Rock? What? <laughs> Crouch Rock? Crouch Rock? Crouch Rock. <laughs> I love it. Also called Cosmisch Music. <laughs> How do you speak German? Oh, it it sounds fun. It's either like a sausage or a fruit. 
Cosmic Unique Music. <laughs> Cosmic Music. I love it. <laughs> That's where I went. <laughs> nice. And I'll have you know, I teetered on the edge of taking the piss. <laughs> <laughs> teetered I teetered on that edge but the article wasn't long enough so I went back I fell backwards okay. into clout's walk I'm proud of you for that self-driven decisiveness self-control yeah. <laughs> in pursuit of knowledge very proud and Sarah where'd you end up uh, <laughs> so I ended up on this ye old book called the uh the anatomy of melancholy um which oh my god that's beautiful i think so i thought it was very <laughs> fitting because i've been feeling a bit a little bit like a little depressed a little and a little bit in a slump and when i come across this i was like oh i need to know more and it is it did not disappoint at all it's very fun maybe we should go kind of almost in order of like getting farther and farther away from bananas like maybe we should do drew me sarah yeah sure like somehow that seems like a logical progression but i i really <laughs> Go on a little, don't a little banana adventure a little banana yeah. adventure i like it don't you can't say that <laughs> <laughs> why not we've all been on an don't ad- dress it we've up been on banana adventure adventures all of us i'm sure Let's call it what it is. It's a banana adventure. Yeah. Call, everyone, let's call it what it is. <laughs> what it is. Oh, no. And now to our ads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my okay. God. So you want me to go? Drew, how do you feel? Yeah, how do you feel about that order? I'm into it. I'm very okay. into it. Um, Great. So I was always... I had no idea how seedless fruit was like actually developed or I guess not the term is not developed, but you know how seedless fruit is made. Um, and so that's why I was so right. interested in it because I was just like, how the hell do you end up with seedless fruit? Um, <laughs> yeah. Like why would nature do that? <laughs> why would nature do that? <laughs> exactly. Well, nature doesn't do that. So that's the answer. Oh. <laughs> is it humans that do Wait, it? Drew. Go on. Wait, hold on. Drew, post. Drew, editing. Drew, are you there? Editing. Drew. Yes. You, yes. Hello. Post op. <clears throat> Can you insert the X Files theme song at that moment? <laughs> <laughs> it's not nature. <laughs> yes. Do it. I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. Um. So, seedless fruit are a type of fruit. Let's start by defining mm-hmm. it. So, it's a type of fruit that do not develop any mature seeds during the development process. It's kind of self-explanatory, seedless fruit. Um, but because consuming the seedless variant of a fruit is generally easier than consuming the seeded version, uh, as there are no pesky seeds to deal with, mm-hmm. these types of fruit are considered commercially valuable. So, commercially valuable pro- uh, sorry, most commercially produced seedless fruit have been developed from plants that normally produce seeds with their fruits, but due to genetic changes within the plant, the fruit produced does not produce seeds. Right. So, so <laughs> the common varieties of seedless fruit include watermelons, mm-hmm. tomatoes, grapes, bananas, bananas, and can even include some citrus fruit, such as oranges, lemons, and limes. Oh, okay. Well, did someone? Yeah. And um, 
So the term seedless fruit is actually a biological contradiction because I found this I found this very very funny because fruit is defined by being a mature ovary containing seeds. So it has to contain seeds to be a fruit, but you have seedless fruit. So what exactly is it in biology? I don't really know. <laughs> it's clearly it's it just be... an ovary. Oh it's my just, god. I, based it's on what you just an ovary the fact that when we eat fruit we're just eating the ovaries of the tree i had the distinct you pleasure of learning this in a freshman high school biology class <laughs> 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 and of course the banana the most phallic fruit everyone's waving it around like this is my uterus <laughs> <laughs> gross <laughs> oh my god so thanks for dredging up so- those memories you're welcome. So it's a biological contradiction to say seedless fruit because it's it's not really a fruit if it doesn't have seeds. Right. But uh, seedless fruits can develop in one of two ways. So either the fruit develops without the use of fertilization, which is super cool, or pollination triggers the development of the fruit, but the ovules or the embryos abort without producing mature seeds. So as an example of the latter, seedless watermelons um, are produced on triploid plants whose three sets of chromosomes cannot pair correctly and therefore prevent meiosis from occurring. So let's unpack that a little bit. (laughs) So meiosis, as I'm sure we all know or should know, um, is is the process of producing gametes (laughs) in the audience. (laughs) Is the process of producing, producing gametes, and gametes are what basically make us able to reproduce. Um... So by having the 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 process of having a triplo uh, having triploid chromosomes preventing meiosis, it basically makes the plant infertile. So this prevents the production of spores and gametophytes, and that's basically the the sperm and egg of a uh, of a plant. Mm-hmm. And basically, what happens during meiosis, if we remember back to biology, is that sister chromosomes pair during meiosis one and are separated so that equal amounts of genetic material are divided among the daughter cells. So basically what happens is these sister chromosomes come together and then in the middle of the, of the cell, and then they split and form two cells with equal amounts of uh, genetic information, basically. This, sorry, this and is the have, normal case? Yes, a normal mm-hmm. case. Okay. But then when you have the third set of chromosomes, the, the chromosomes can't pair correctly, and so basically you end up with these chromosomes randomly being distributed amongst the daughter cells. Uh-huh. So you end what? up with like it splits itself. Like yeah, it splits itself. Well, when you pull apart the chromosomes, they're they're paired, right? But they're not really paired properly because they have this third set that just kind of randomly is paired amongst the the chromosomes, and so you end up just pulling apart these chromosomes during the the cell division process, and this results in aneuploidy, aneuploidy. Um, or an incorrect number of chromosomes, which is usually lethal to developing sister to the developing daughter cells. So why? Yeah, how does this not die? So basically, what happens is when someone is infertile, they don't die. It just means that they can't produce any any uh, offspring. Oh. So you know, someone someone isn't like you don't just be, like automatically die as soon as you become infertile. <laughs> you you <laughs> uh, so oh, sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> sorry no no it's happy news no, but no one dies it, <laughs> no one dies 
<laughs> but the, this infertility is what causes the seeds to not be produced because you're not actually producing any embryos. And so because you're not producing any embryos, you're not producing any seeds. So you end up with seedless fruit because the fruit is technically the ovary and the seeds are, are the embryos. And because you're not producing any embryos, you're not producing any seeds. Uh, okay. So that's, that's why we end up with seedless fruit. I know this. Which is like a... Go oh, on. I was going to say, I'm so glad that you were explaining this so scientifically. Otherwise, this would be premium Patreon material for Alice After Dark. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, so this oh. makes sense to me from a very cartoonish science perspective. But how do you actually go about intentionally inserting a third cro or chromosome pair I, I i don't think i'm saying it the right way but yes yeah that would be yeah. it no the, no that's 100 percent correct so triploid plants actually arise they can arise naturally mm -hmm. through mutation okay. because everyone knows mutation can cause anything so basically accidents and, or <laughs> yeah accidents accidents happen or through hybridization so you end up with um if you were to cross a diploid and a tetraploid plant of the same or different species. So basically, if you crossed a, a diploid, which has basically two sets of chromosomes, and a tetraploid, which has four sets of chromosomes, if you combine those two watermelon sets, you'd end up with uh, a triploid plant that is, that is uh, um, sterile. And so that's how you end up with the, mm. um, the, seedless, the, the seedless watermelons is by having this triploid plant that is, that is um, you know, sterile. Okay. So uh, it's it's super interesting. So I have I have another question, but I feel okay. It. You may not actually have the answer, which is, are there ever other side effects that happen by accident? In you mean in like a seedless watermelon? Yeah, because it sounds like what you're saying is they're engineering a situation where you know you're taking kind of like the known genetics of these these two members of the pair, putting them together. Because from practice, they know that there will be a specific outcome that's desired, which is the seedlessness. But I should yes. also think that that's not the only thing, the only characteristic that makes... That comes with yeah, it? Yeah, that makes this unique. Well, you you are 100% <gasps> wow! correct. And we'll get <laughs> to that. You are 100% correct, and we'll get to that as to why it's an actual disadvantage to do this I'm kind so of thing. I'm so excited. I love mutant Because it's, it's... <laughs> yeah, mutant. <laughs> well, Drew's going to tell us why they suck. <laughs> they su they, we'll get to that. Drew's going to ruin mutants. Um, well, <laughs> I, can't, I can't say what I was thinking. Oh, my God. Um, back to seedless plants. So a seedless fruit. Mm -hmm. So some species of tomato, pineapple, and cucumber can actually naturally produce um, seedless fruit if they are not pollinated, but will produce seeded fruit if they are pollinated. So it's, you know, seedless fruit can be a natural phenomenon, but it also can be like a force phenomenon, as I was saying with basically genetic engineering. Um, and when it comes to just the genetic world of plants, it's pretty wild. It's kind of the wild west. When it comes to fruit, wild you can do whatever west. you want, but <laughs> the wild, wild west of fruit. There's no fruit. There's no, we need fruit ethics. <laughs> well, uh, there's no fruit ethics. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> no fruit ethics. So you may be asking, 
when you lack seeds, mm-hmm. how do you reproduce? Because that's kind of the main thing. That's like kind of the point of, of seeded fruit is reproduction. So when it comes to plants lacking seeds and thus the ability, the ability to propagate via fruit, the plants are actually propagated vegetatively from cutting in a process called grafting. Hold on. Do you hate yourself so, for saying so, vegetatively when talking about fruit? <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't. Because I feel like it's appropriate. I don't hate you, but other but other people might. Let me just say vegetatively from cuttings. Fruitively. Fruitively. Um so so grafting, I could do a whole report on just grafting because it is wild. Mm -hmm. And I highly recommend if you're at all interested in plants to look up grafting because it is super cool and is super important to our agriculture and uh, like ancient agriculture too. But basically grafting is a technique in which you, you basically join two plants into one. I've seen some, I've seen some TikTok videos of people doing it and it's really, really cool. Yeah. Of grafting. Yeah. Yeah. It's super cool. That's fascinating. So the, the upper part. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go for it. The The upper part of a combined plant is called the scion, while the lower part is called the rootstock. And a successful graft requires that the, that the scion and rootstock have their vascular tissue come together. And so you end up with two independent plants that become one dependent plant having their vascular tissue come together. So one plant is selected for its roots, or the rootstock, as I said before, mm-hmm. and another plant is selected for its stems, leaves, and flowers, or fruit which is the scion. So the scion is like the, the important top and the rootstock mm-hmm. are the, the roots, of course. So together, the rootstock and the scion produce a plant that is successful and tends to be more hardy than the original plant, while the scion contains all the desired genes for future production. So the scion is the important one. I mean, they're both important at the end of the day, but the scion is the one that you really, right. really care about. So... Yeah, so basically you mash two plants together and form a mega plant that is hardy, easier to propagate, and disease resistant on a bunch of other benefits as well. So it just came to me that plants are just nuts. Like you can just do this. <laughs> you can just smash two plants together and bam, you now you've got plant. a new plant. And that you've got a mega plant and that was just nuts to me. Does grafting happen naturally or is this only a, a human done thing? I I would assume yeah. it's only human done. I I because it it seemed a very because what the little I read about it because there's a ton to read about it. The the little I read about grafting, um, it seemed like a very involved process where you were actually like you know putting you were selecting what you want to put on this new plant and then selecting the roots from the uh, another plant and then kind yeah. of combining them together. So I don't think it's too much of a natural process. It seems like, well, it's something that nature allows. Okay. I'll say that. <laughs> nature doesn't hate it. <laughs> nature doesn't hate it. It yeah, just, it allows we it. We want nature um, consent. Yes. <laughs> we want nature consent. <laughs> Uh, so this is one of the ways you can actually propagate plants that don't produce any seeds. So when you have seedless fruit, this is one of the ways you can propagate it. But in the case of bananas, now we're back to our, yeah, our central topic. Yeah. So bananas, the offspring come from what are known as pups or offsets. 
And basically an offset is a complete daughter plant that is naturally or asexually produced on the mother plant. So basically what you have is a daughter plant that just grows naturally on the mother plant. And then you take that daughter plant from the mother plant and plant it. And now you have a new mother plant and that produces a daughter plant. And so you end up with this like recursive cycle of just mother plant to daughter plant to mother plant. And I thought that was super cool that bananas just reproduce in this way. Or what will we force bananas to reproduce in this way? And that was just super cool yeah. to me. So that's uh, bananas are seedless is because they're, they're, um, they basically perform genetically identical clones to the mother plant through these little pups or offsets. And the offsets, you know, they just keep on taking from the, not taking from the same mother plant, but they just keep on passing down this line of mother to daughter, mother to daughter. And there's no, there's no real genetic diversity in there. And so that's one of the disadvantages. Um, little spoiler. spoiler. <laughs> um, but in contrast, uh, seedless watermelons that we talked about before actually grow from seeds. And these seeds are produced, as we said, crossing a diploid and tetraploid watermelon to produce a sterile triploid plant that makes seedless fruit. So it's you have a lot of different ways that you can make seedless fruit, but... These are just a few of the examples. So the one, I would say one major disadvantage of seedless crop is that they significantly reduce the amount of genetic diversity in the species that they're Mm. spawned from. So as we've talked about a few times before, which I kind of find it funny that we have, as we've talked about a few times before, reducing genetic diversity is not a good thing. It's it's never a good thing because you're more prone to disease. Yeah. And so that's that's what happens here is because the uh, the plants are generally genetically identical to the to the parent plant, pests or disease that affect the individual that they come from or the clones come from tend to be susceptible to the pest or disease yeah. that, that the parent is. So it's it's you know this line of of uh, succession, and as you go down the line of succession, you're still prone to that same pest, the same diseases, and you keep on going and going and going. So it's a major disadvantage to have that reduced genetic diversity. Um, and we actually see that in commercially available bananas say. right now. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a new um, disease, a new fungal disease, um, which they're highly susceptible because they yeah. lack genetic diversity. There's like the fear that yeah. we're going to lose an entire like, strain of banana. Oh yeah, we're gonna lose all all bananas in the world, or all the straight all this single strain of banana because it comes from a single line that's to, that's susceptible to this fungal disease. And as I said, you know, with with the mother plant and then the daughter pup, you can take the the daughter out, the daughter plant out, and then plant that, and it's just this single line of pure clones of each other. And so as soon as you have one disease, it just like can go straight rampant through that which is just mm. a, a huge problem. So genetic diversity is very, very important. That should be our tagline for the show. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like this is genetic not... Genetic diversity is very I important. I feel like this is not the first anti-incest conversation we've had. <laughs> it's like the third or fourth. <laughs> Listen, if it's true, it bears repeating. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I will say it as many times as I have to. No incest. <laughs> incest is a bad Drew's thing. segment will always land on some type of genetic diversity. Some incest. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. Is it mostly so important? Yeah, it is. 
<laughs> yes, it is mostly me. <laughs> it is important, wow. though. I love it. It is very important. It is very, very important. And the, the seedless plants tend to have their disadvantages when it comes to in the environment because you have to use more pesticides mm. to keep them healthy because, you know, they're more susceptible to pests because of lack of genetic diversity. So there you go. It's, it's just a... They tend to have quite a few disadvantages because they're so... They're, they're genetic clones of, of their, their, their mother plant. So, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a little bit about seedless fruit. And I never really understood how they were produced, and now now I know. So uh, that's why it was very interesting to me. Um, and, you know, they may not be the greatest for the environment, but they're definitely a lot easier to eat. So, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, it, you choose what you want to eat. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's seedless that fruit. That's great. You choose what you want to eat, but be careful of what you're supporting. Exactly. Are you supporting incest? Genetic diversity. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> You're supporting incest. The new banana ad for 2022. Support incest. <laughs> Are you supporting incest? Oh my god. Support incest. Buy bananas. You can't pick such a phallic fruit for your message. <laughs> oh, you can though. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. That's funny. That's good. That's that's great. <laughs> buy buy bananas. Support incest. Uh, <laughs> if you eat bananas, you basically support incest. They're so tasty, though. <laughs> and this might be they, a bit controversial, so but I'm a fan of the green banana. Like me too. Yeah, they're so much better. I hate when they're yellow, and I hate when they're me too. They get you know just a little spotty. That's the worst time. Oh my god! At that point, it's like I can feel the like <laughs> the decomposition gases in my mouth yeah, when I bite it. I don't it. want like, it. I can I know. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm right. I'm oh, right there with you. This is why we're like sisters from different misters. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like my genetic yeah, diversity. Genetic diversity. <laughs> yeah, that okay, there we go. There we go. World peace, everyone. Genetic diversity. World diversity equals world peace. There you go. So that's that's the answer. To segue into my section, mm-hmm. I, I I I thought it was related because this is called kraut rock as in sauerkraut ah um but i missed the sentence in the wiki article that said kraut is a slur for germans (laughs) yes it is (laughs) (laughs) okay first of all oh my god (laughs) but second of all i can't be like let's segue with a slur like i can't like (laughs) can't say that so i'm just gonna say now for something completely different cow rock (laughs) also um i can say it because i'm part german so (laughs) (laughs) i I can say actually no that's a personal story never mind okay um whoa no i was gonna say my last name Sounds very Italian, but that's because my dad had his last name legally changed to his 
mother's maiden name. So this is my, my last name is my grandmother's maiden name. It's not actually the paternal name passed through the family. Oh, that and is the so paternal cool. name. It is. I and I love I love my last name. So you know I'm very happy with it the way it is. But my last name should have been Schneider. Um, I should have Schneider. had a German last name. Oh, that's very that's very yeah. German. <laughs> it's very basic German. Yeah. That's really cool. But my paternal, like, yeah, inherited name was going to be Schneider. My dad had his last name changed, like, really, like, right before I was born. So, uh, yeah, interesting tidbit. That's really go. cool. So I can say slurs, I guess, all I want. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how many people write in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at this point, yeah. I'm kidding. Tell oh us my about. God. So, is your topic sauerkraut? No, it is a genre of music. Ah, oh, didn't see that coming. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is a good question. So, kraut rock is um slur rock. Not really, but I mean, that's like how you would break. The word rock in it is intentional. And the the other word for this is cosmic music. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, which is why I wanted Drew to say it, because Drew has better uh, German pronunciation than I do, just because he's so good at voices and accents and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, keep, I keep telling Drew to do voice acting. Uh, okay. You oh, should, Drew. That would be a, that would be a time. <laughs> They just they just get gremlin voices. <laughs> we always need more gremlin just, voices, like the the hormone monster in um in what's it called? Big, Big mouth. mouth. Yeah. Big mouth. Yeah. What's the yeah. that hormone monster? The one that's really shit at his job. Oh, I need to know. That show makes me cringe so hard. I can't watch oh it. Oh my god, I love that show so so much. Anyway. <laughs> Back on the crowd. Sorry. Rock. Back on the crowd. Rock. Rock. So um, maybe this is uh, kind of obvious now that I've told you it's a slur, but uh, Germans did not come up with the term kraut rock. Uh, originally, that was like a pejorative um, nickname that was given to them by uh, British observers of the culture. So mm. kraut rock came to be in about uh, 1968. So this is a time, you know, 60s, 70s, where. Do, there's a lot of protesting going on. Like, you know, like the counterculture is kind of rising to be the predominant culture. You know, we like saw that in the U S um, it was just kind of a high time for student movements or uh, radicalization of, you know, people who were just fed up with the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, but particularly mm-hmm. in Germany. And what I found so interesting was that what they were really rebelling against, or I guess, um, trying to voice as loudly as possible is that you have a bunch of teens who are coming of age or uh, university students who are coming of age and they're starting to define like what is our culture uh, as as a group you know today Mm -hmm. we're like if I want to see what the culture is I go on TikTok and I'm like oh my god it's like astrology that's our culture now I guess you know something (laughs) like that so in 1968 (laughs) they're like they're like okay what's really our culture everybody uh, and I guess really the tone back then or the setting back then was that this was kind of the first generation after World War II. Mm-hmm. So it was a, a lot of, you know, these these sentient teenagers now coming to be and saying, hey, we, you know, we don't want anything to do with like our Nazi history. So we rebel against German history. 
And um, American pop culture is so loud and so oppressive and we are just so inundated with it that our radio stations are just like shitty covers of American music. Like it's like Germans trying to be American. We need something that is not Nazis, but German, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So they were trying to, just the way teenagers do, like make a distinct identity for themselves. And what kind of was born out of this was a genre of music that was really the roots of I think now we would call it something a little bit closer to prog rock or industrial rock. Um, So I'm going to put in like a little clip. I'll send it to whoever edits this. Um, assuming that everybody just heard the clip that I'm going to send, presumably Drew. Maybe he yeah. edit <laughs> yeah. this part. Okay. Uh, or me. Whatever. I don't... We'll figure it out. But whatever. So um, <laughs> the the sound of it, to describe it poorly in words, is very much like a slow progression of notes. But it's got a lot of like... 60s, 70s music has a lot of organ in it. But I'm pretty sure I hear like a theremin sometimes. Oh, wow. Um, it's... It's got like the beginnings of techno music or electronic music, but mixed with psychedelic rock. And the reason that I was so interested and I kept reading about it was that some of the words used to describe this genre um, are, uh, I'm trying to find the, the exact line here, improv and hypnotic minimalistic rhythms. Um, that focuses on texture and repetition. So you kind of have like a little bit of like a stoner sort of vibe that goes with Krautrock. Um, Absurdist drone, (laughs) which is kind of (laughs) like drone rock is like a lot of the same notes that are played over and over again. Um, So I, I guess I had found this interesting because it seemed very progressive and future facing at a time that's earlier than I would have expected it to be. Um, but maybe it was, you know, right on cue, I guess, to use a bad pun, but, uh, (laughs) fortunately or unfortunately, the movement really took off in Britain and much to the chagrin of everybody who was in Germany trying to like make a, a name for themselves in, in Krautrock that first of all they hated the name Krautrock but because the Brits liked it that's what stuck and that's what took off yeah yeah that um, makes sense but I was very shocked to hear that um they ended up influencing people who we know as a lot of post-punk um artists like so David Bowie for one yeah mm-hmm. strong influence on David Bowie um Susie and the Banshees Banshees sorry um joy division okay. uh, i'm trying to think of who else was um mm-mm-mm-mm. that was all i really recognized some other names i guess are uh faust is apparently a common one or mm-hmm. tangerine dream mm-hmm. um these are okay i don't know you probably i feel like you, <laughs> you're good at this um 
So I, I don't know. I was, I was kind of shocked. Like this genre that I truly never heard of um, had influenced all of these people. But I thought that it was also interesting to see that Kraut rock performers have said that they were influenced by people like the Mothers of Invention, Velvet Underground, Beatles, Pink Floyd. Um, from my American perspective, I mean, it, they even cite Miles Davis, who is a jazz musician. So it's just a lot of improv, but at the same time, kind of laid back. And then the cosmic element comes in with these new electronic sort of instruments. Um, but I guess that I was... Um, I, from my American perspective, when I first listened to Krautrock, I was like, this just sounds like a German Pink Floyd. Um, that's really cool. So I guess, yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess that's the best way to describe it. Um, so it doesn't really seem like it, you know, only the 60s and 70s kind of seems like a small blip. Like I said, like I had never heard of it before. Um, I thought the name was funny until like five minutes ago. Now I just feel shitty. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was, you know, rebellion in its own way. I always think this is interesting is the way that just cultural tides shift back and forth. Like, you know, sometimes things will be really restricted and then we rebel as a society and things are really superfluous and over the top. So you've got like, you know, the straight lace fifties and then like, you know, hippie sixties and flowery seventies and back and forth, back and forth. You know, you could say that the eighties were totally ostentatious, like fashion wise. And then we go into the nineties where it's just jeans and white t-shirts again. And you know, all of this back and <laughs> forth. So I kind of loved that this was almost like an existentialist minimist or minimalist take on music in a way that was just like, I'm going to play the same few notes over and over again riff with a theremin for a little bit and just come back to the same progressions um so yeah i i don't know i guess maybe it's a little underwhelming but i now i know kraut rock is a thing oh, i think no, that's it's, really cool it's definitely it's really cool <laughs> thanks that's all that's that's all i have to say i guess um i could show you guys a song but i don't know if it's uh i don't know how i didn't really think about the flow very much so i apologize that's okay. That's okay. Put it in um, the Discord for sure so we can listen to it afterwards. Sure. So I did, do want to... Oh, yeah, sorry, Drew. Did did the, the band Kraftwerk come up? Yes, I'm, reading, I'm looking at it right now. Because that's one of my favorite bands. They're, oh they're... my god! <laughs> <laughs> yes! So, so let me find the first mention of it. Do you have it on record, Drew? Like vinyl yeah i have it i have it on vinyl yeah that's really cool <gasps> that is so so did you, had you ever heard of this genre i hadn't heard of the genre specifically but i was a big fan of Kraftwerk for a long time because they i feel like when you listen to electronica you have to kind of look at the where it began and i feel like yeah. Kraftwerk is one of the first places where you're just like holy shit this is electronica because they were all electronic and that it was just it, they're such a cool band <laughs> yeah wait can you say it as germanly as possible Kraft oh Kraftwerk. <laughs> <laughs> i apologize to any of our german listeners i don't think we've had any yet <laughs> And we weren't oh having any more. Oh my god, imagine. Yeah, now I'm actually kidding. we won't have any more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so actually, Drew, um, I cheated and I, I searched the article for the first mention or second mention of 
Kraftwerk. Um, so there is a specific per- a specific German producer, Connie Plank, uh, who is brought up, and he was central in uh, developing cosmic music, which is like another name for Krautrock, but it was the one that so Germans used to refer to themselves. They called it cosmic music instead of Krautrock. Of um, course. And uh, Connie Plank was a producer who oversaw uh, Kraftwerk's Autobahn. Oh, um, one of my favorite songs by them. Oh, shit, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I guess it was a record, right. And so he had apparently had a lot to do with um, effects processing in the early days. And the they say in the article here, tape-based editing techniques. So I'm not, there's no like link to click on, so I'm not exactly sure what that means um, as like a music editing technique, but um, he, like, I think, apparently, yeah. I think that's when, like, they used to cut and splice actual audio tape together. I think I vaguely remember oh. learning something about this years ago. That, but very okay, hands, that's how, wow, we're... very hands-on for the day. If people who are older, than, like, the generation above <laughs> us are listening to this right now, and they're like, these kids are so fucking stupid. It's like... <laughs> I feel like this must be what it felt like when I babysat a kid and he had a Game Boy and tried click, like pressing the screen with his finger. Uh, and I was like, uh, no, 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 you press the no, button. No, no, no. no, no don't do that's that. probably what like Gen X like feels when they listen to this. They're like, no, you fucking idiot. You, it's a tape. <laughs> it's a stupid tape. You don't have GarageBand. Stupid. But <laughs> we don't have yeah, GarageBand. Yeah, so Kraftwerk. <laughs> Kraftwerk is specifically mentioned here as having um, um, the foundation, placing the the foundation for American electronic dance music. So it probably makes sense that you found them first. Um, uh, Going into the 1980s, actually. So so what became instead electro, house, techno. And I did click on this Goa trance. <laughs> Which is apparently like these special drums that just have like this hypnotic trance, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, I'm gonna talk about that." And then I can't remember why I went back to Kraut Rock, but I did click on Goa Trance. <laughs> um, Drew, I don't know if you have you listened to Ashra Temple. I feel like I have, but okay, the like the name is sparking a memory, but not like a specific song. Okay, so they are also mentioned in the same area as Kraftwerk. Um, for development of ambient music and post-rock. So maybe that post-rock. is a suggestion to listen to Ashra Temple. Uh, I'm, I'm writing that down. <laughs> well, now you have a genre to belong to. Now you, <laughs> now you know. Now that goes in your dating profile. Like, I listen to Krautrock. I listen to... I, uh, <laughs> I, I listen I to Krautrock. Cosmische Music. <laughs> people be like what the fuck is that you might find your perfect human by list, uh, by perfect. listing kraut rock yeah <laughs> you never know honestly you the way know. that i came here though i had like me i had like gone away from bananas and quickly into poisonous plants <laughs> um and then i was like i can't remember why oh i was fucking around until i got to like Paracelsus, I think. And I was like, shit, yeah. 
And then I was like looking around Paracelsus, Paracelsus, I don't know, Paracelsus, and um, I had snuck into some like German words from that article, but then um, I actually almost talked about somebody whose name is um, Novelist. Oh, yeah, because I found a list of pen names. You want to play a game really quick, like a one second game? Sure. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say a pen name and you're going to tell me who you think it is. Okay. Are you ready for this? Yes, go for it. I swear this is all related, but because novelist was a pen name that I went to, but I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some good ones here. <clears throat> I meant to say I had a game. Okay. We'll start off easy. Who is Currer Bell? Who the fuck is that? <laughs> um, no, come on. What about wait, what? his brother? Um, Acton Bell. And his I other brother, Ellis idea. Bell. Oh, no. Sarah, do you have a guess? No, I've got nothing. Oh. oh, my God, you guys. It's the Bronte sisters. Oh. oh. Well, we're we're illiterate and dumb. Yeah. Oh my so. god. Okay, I thought that one was easy. Okay, 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 okay. Who is? <laughs> oh no! I feel... <laughs> wow, I thought you guys were smart, but it turns out you're stupid. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. Yep. <laughs> you got it. Okay, who is? Hmm. Martha, careful. Or Silence Do Good. These are all the same person. Alice Addertongue. Oh, there's some great names. Anthony Afterwit. B.F. Crocker. They're all the same person? Mm-hmm. Busy Body. Kalia Shortface. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you want me to give a guess? I don't want to sound stupid. <laughs> I'm gonna call you. I'm gonna call you stupid, no matter what. No, I wouldn't. No, you're not stupid. You are kind. You are valued. You have a great German accent. <laughs> you have a great German accent. Just oh, some, thank you. Sh- 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 just sometimes you make mistakes. Sh- 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 <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you don't read my mind, and and you're stupid for that. <laughs> <laughs> stupid for not reading my mind. Just be in there. Come on. Um, any guess? Any guess? I f- no. I I don't want to say I feel like, and then I'm just gonna throw out a stupid name. So um, I'll give you maybe an additional hint. Maybe not sure if this is a hint, but Richard Saunders is another pen name of this individual who is the Poor Richard of Poor Richard's Almanac. So if you know who wrote Poor Richard's Almanac, it is the same pen name. Well, my uh, lack of I'm reading dumb. is kind of showing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's Benjamin Franklin. Ah. Really? Yeah. Busybody. Yep, yep, yep. Busybody Franklin. Busybody. <laughs> yes, <but> yeah. <laughs> it's Benjamin Franklin. Um, here's a hard one. Who's, who's um, Daniel Defoe? This, so Daniel Defoe is the guy who wrote Robinson Crusoe. What is his real name? 
I've heard of this before. <laughs> it's okay. I, if you don't know, I can just say it. I have I don't, no, no idea. I made you guys scared to guess. His I have real zero is, idea. His real name is Daniel Foe. Oh. <laughs> Why did he call himself Defoe? Because <laughs> it sounds cool. It does sound cool. I don't know. But I don't, don't know. I was like, wait a minute. What a poser. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm going to give you one more that I saved for last. Okay. Okay. Who is Pierre Delecto? That's a poor name. Don't even start with me. <laughs> <laughs> I like this guess. Definitely a stripper name. So I'll give you I'll give you a more tantalizing, I guess I don't know if it's really a hint. I'll give you another tantalizing piece of, of information. It is not somebody's this is not an author. Like this wasn't like used to write books. This was not a poet. Was it a strip club? This was a f- You're getting close. A brothel? <laughs> this was a Twitter name. Oh. Twitter's Somebody basic, basically posed a brothel. Basically a strip club. A strip club of words. Pierre Delecto. Was it like a Pierre Delecto? Offensive words? Wait, what? <laughs> was the account by someone who I would be irritated by? Yes. Is it Trump? No, but you're getting so close. It was Mitt Romney. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I do know that. Fuck. <laughs> Both, oh both my god terrible. i completely forgot about that yeah mitt romney better known as pierre delecto <laughs> pierre delecto <laughs> jesus oh god but yeah that is um sorry for the huge uh derailment but that is how i i i landed on some guy named novelists and from novelists i went to a similarly named band novelists who performs Krautrock, but all of their lyrics are the original novelist's works. And I thought that was very, very cool because novelist, um, the person, was a romantic poet from the like turn of the 17 to 1800s. Um, so one of these Krautrock bands, um, actually, that's the, that's the clip that I played for you guys. Um, I should have actually said that, or will play for you guys, um, is the band Novelist. That's amazing. Oh, cool. That yeah, is a really should have opened with that. That's a really cool like turn <laughs> turntable. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, a huge digression. Thank you everybody for taking this wild ride. I want to get off Mr. Bone's wild ride. <laughs> Please let me off. <laughs> I don't want to look at Pierre Delecto. <laughs> delecto. <laughs> um, I think that that leaves we can, the grand finale. Yeah, we can jump right over into the anatomy of melancholy, which Pierre Delecto makes me feel a bit melancholy. <laughs> 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 uh, so, 
I I did the I did the bad this week and I deleted well I didn't delete my history I can't find it because I, I found this weeks ago when we started going down the rabbit hole and I have no idea how I ended up here I think it was through like you know where bananas are bred and then into some type of ancient civilization stuff and then I found this book that isn't that ancient it's from 1621 um, but I just, I thought the title was really catchy, The Anatomy of Melancholy, because I'm like, yeah, I want to know the anatomy of depression. Like, and, and I knew yeah. a book from that era was probably like old timey, like you've got ghosts in your blood, um, you know, you're possessed <laughs> by the devil. That's what's making you sad. And this book did not disappoint. It was a wild ride and I'm very glad I found it. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> so it's actually, it's, uh, so it was written by Robert uh, Burton uh, in 1621, and it's not just one book. Over like 17 years, he revised it like I think five or six times, and this book ended up being 500,000 words, like a giant, oh my God. giant ass book, which is just insane. And he put so much effort and so much of his own experience into trying to understand melancholy, which I, I really admired. Um, but I, I love if you click on like Robert Burton's biography, um, one of the main things that they, they say to describe him is that Burton's education at Oxford was a long and lengthy process, possibly drawn out by the affliction of melancholy. So, oh my god, <laughs> oh poor my god. guy. He was a bit poor depressed guy, yeah. at college, which I mean, aren't we all? Um, aren't we all? Yeah. So he suffered from from obviously a bit of depression and tried to. He wanted to understand it, and so I thought before we dive into the book, I will dive into a little bit about the history of what melancholy means. Um, because I think that's quite fascinating. So uh, uh, melancholy or melancholia um, comes from the Greek word melanchol, uh, which means black bile. And it's this idea that when you are depressed or anxious or, you know, having afflictions of the mind, that's caused by a buildup of black bile in your body. And up until pretty recently they legitimately thought that there was some type of substance that built up in your body that made people this way, which I thought was fascinating that like, it feels like that. Like if anyone's ever had depression, you feel like you've, you've got something like there's something weighing you down. Yeah. You feel, you know, so lethargic and so meh. And it does really feel like, like physically maybe there's something not quite right in your body when it is, you know, we now know that it's chemicals in the brain and and different chemical reactions. But back in the day, they're like, yep, you've got the black bile in your blood. (laughs) 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 And so um, the, where the black bile was situated in the bloody. um, And again, this is all theoretical. You do not have black bile in your body it is okay Um, but back in the day they tried to describe where the black bile would be so various different scholars you know um, theorized that it would be in the stomach or in the liver and that was causing 
um, you know, the, the body to feel depressed or melancholy. Uh, but in the 10th century in Persia, there was uh, a physician that described the, the melancholy as a chronic illness of the black bile built up on the brain. So he was the first one to kind of associate <gasps> this, like, the feeling of... Like, to kind of get it right. Yeah, to kind of understand that this feeling of depression or mental strain is associated directly with the brain even though we do not have oozing black things on our brain um yeah i thought that was pretty amazing for 10th century to have that foresight because back then i don't think humans had any idea about you know how the brain worked and the fact that you know the whole central nervous system and consciousness and all all of that jazz. I don't think that was really associated. Uh, you know, I something that kind of cracks me up about this, if you really abstract it and then offer no credence to all of the hard work neuroscientists do, just like, if you look at this, it's like, <laughs> imagine going back in time and talking to this guy. Like, no, it's not black bile on your brain good guess it's actually these just invisible like chemicals that we aren't actually sure how to get right but we take these weird pills that kind of make it better and no one knows how they work (laughs) (laughs) no actually the true answer is much more magical than something physical like black bile yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, this poor guy would have been like huh <laughs> Actually, the truth is something way more invisible. Like you know, it, and and we don't know how it works. We just we just keep trying to eat things until it's better. <laughs> like, Legitimately, me just eat eat until you're better. Yeah, until even you're my do- even my doc. Like I also take antidepressants, and even my doctors are like, we don't really know how they work. Just that they do, and we try they out which work, ones yeah. work. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so, what's fascinating is like, like if we relate this idea of we're laughing that they didn't understand really what depression was. But even now we understand that depression or, you know, different mental um, illnesses can be defined on different scales. So there's obviously some mental illnesses which have a very physical component. So things like, like schizophrenia, we know that there's like this, this, physical division between the two frontal lobes like there's not a a connection happening there but with depression we're still kind of like we think it's not enough serotonin or we think maybe there is serotonin but the the inhibitors that help transport it around the brain are lacking like we really kind of have no idea yeah which yeah and so it's like like honestly, the black bile buildup makes more sense than the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you can. This is how pseudoscience happens. <laughs> yeah, and now we know like the mental health is like it is as diverse as you know a, a physical health. Like there are so many different afflictions that happen mentally with the brain, and because of different chemical or structural things happening within the brain itself but like trying to describe it all under one umbrella of melancholy back in the day like now we know like you would you couldn't describe someone who has you know a you know there's all sorts of things like someone with depression has very different symptoms and 
a treatment plan to someone that might have bipolar or someone who might have, you know, a borderline personality disorder. Like these different things have different symptoms and different treatments. Um, But back in the day, lumped under the same umbrella. And I think this confused people a lot because obviously it was like they thought it was something to do with the emotions, um, but they didn't really understand, which, yeah, I just think it's really, really fascinating because I think mental health is so, so important. Um, And even back many hundreds to thousands of years ago, they understood that something wrong with your brain is, you know, is going to impact the way you try to live your everyday life. Um, it's also oh I'm sorry no no you go it's also interesting um, the history that kind of comes to mind when we think about bile like black bile Mm. because for a long time the practice of science was balancing the humors right and so Mm -hmm. if there was something wrong with you it was that you had too much or too little of one of these humors and black bile is one of those humors so it's it's also just um, an interesting um I guess maybe in like you know unintentionally the kind of like ling- linguistics I guess like like I can in I can infer from the fact that it was referred to as black bile that maybe this idea had its roots in something that's even older. Yes, no, you're exactly right. So that yeah, the idea that we're made up of the different humors, there was this um, idea that there were these dark humors that could get reflected and out outshine the original five humors um what yeah so i'll get into i'll get into that a little bit more but they normally break it down into like some general causes and like habits that you might face that show that your humors are not aligned which i think is really cool um so yeah i'll let's dive back into the book so now we know what melancholy is um and and let's dive into the anatomy of melancholy. So this, as I said, it's a 500,000 word book. So it is bloody massive. Um, <laughs> and it has been described as a digressive and labyrinth of work. Um, which... Wait, does that mean it's poorly written? Um, <laughs> I, I struggled. I didn't read all of it because 500,000 words is intense. Um, I just right. I just scrolled through the sections until I found things that like sparked my interest. Um, but I think basically, so people have described it as like he was writing to try and really understand himself and try catalog the things that he was experiencing. But then as he spoke to more people, he saw that their experiences were different. So then he would try to go back and recatalog them again and again and again. So, like, the first edition of the book had, you know, these are X amount of causes for your melancholy. But then, you know, the next edition had many more, and then it just kept, like, piling on the reasons and the symptoms. And, again, he's trying to describe kind of almost every mental illness that has some form of depressive episode or depressive state in it under one title. Um, So this poor guy is on, like, is like jumping down the rabbit hole trying to you know figure out mental health um in Mm. 1600 and so it is very detailed and it's really really cool and what is uh fun about it is so it's presented like as a medical textbook of the time so 
back in the day, you know, a medical professional would have referred to it. However, now with our updated knowledge, we can look at it more as like a really interesting literary work because lots of it is like it talks more about the fantastical causes of melancholy rather than the physical. Okay. Which I'll I'll get to in a bit because I think they are <laughs> they are so good. <laughs> um, I'm very intrigued. Oh, it's really good. So uh just some of my favorite quotes um from it is melancholy can only be overcome by melancholy. Which I think hmm? is so funny. Like you're depressed. Like is this like fight fire with fire? Yeah, pretty much. Like you're depressed, <laughs> you just gotta lean in. It's like, don't lean in. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just throw yourself into the abyss and hope that you come out the other side. Exactly. (laughs) And then this is my favorite one, um, because I think he kind of nailed it on, on, on what he's saying. So it is, there is no greater cause of melancholy than idleness and no greater cure than busyness, which I think he kind of understood that having you know, having time to ruminate or have time to think and to to go down that mental rabbit hole of too much self-thought can be detrimental to yourself. And then this idea of busyness or having a distracted mind can help alleviate some of those feelings, which I think is really cool. Yeah, he kind of got it. He kind of got it a little bit. Yeah. That's, yeah, like, that's like a cope. Well, but that doesn't fix the problem, though. <laughs> I mean, but it's a coping mechanism. Yes. Yeah, okay, true. definitely. Okay, true. A coping, I'm not going to start making mechanism. that distinction. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, yes. <laughs> um, and so I thought I'd go over some general causes because these were my favorite topics in the book. Um, so just some, we'll do some big, broad umbrella causes. Um, for why you might feel a little depresso. Um, the first one, obviously you have sinned uh, and that is why you feel depressed. Uh, so is it that God made you depressed or that the action of sinning made uh, you depressed? A little bit of both. So these are just the big umbrella causes is you've either sinned, you've you know been too sexual, um, you have eaten too much, so like gout, so like that idea of, you know, you've indulged too much. Um, another one he listed was plague, which, yeah, can testify. <laughs> we are in the plague of 2021, um, and yeah. it can get a bit <laughs> depressing. It's pretty fucking depressing, yeah. <laughs> can definitely get a well, bit depressing. Yeah, so they're like... He was right, plagues. Yeah, plague, not great. Um, But then he broke it down into like supernatural and natural causes. So the supernatural was an act of God. So yeah, you've sinned. So now God is upset with you and it will make you sad. Uh, There's also though, alternatively, the devil has got hold of you and is making you sad for fun, which I quite like that one. I I think that's fun. Thank you. Covering his bases. Yeah. It's either the god or the devil, you know. It could be yeah, well, either or. Who knows? Who's to say? Um, and then the final of the supernatural is, you know, you've just been cursed by a witch or a magician. So. <laughs> 
Okay, right. So, okay, good. So now, now actually, Drew, now we've covered all the bases. <laughs> yes. now we've God all or the, the devil. Yeah. <laughs> or, a or a magician. <laughs> yeah, which I think is so much more fun than a chemical imbalance in my brain. I want a witch to have cursed me. I think that's wonderful. I, I think only you would feel like touched by that (laughs) (laughs) or find delight in calling out of work because you've been touched by a witch i'm so sorry i'm gonna have to take a sick day i've been cursed by a magician again Uh, (laughs) i don't know how this keeps happening to me (laughs) i've just gotta take some personal time to reflect and and get rid of the curse (laughs) Oh my god, that's great! <laughs> so does he does does he go through possible cures, or is it only causes? Um, yeah, there are some cures. Um, but I thought we'd get to uh, some of the natural causes. Um, because obviously okay. supernatural, God and the devil haven't done it all. Obviously, there's some other things. Um, mm-hmm. so number one natural cause is uh, a weird alignment of the stars which is clashing with your personality type obviously okay you have just angered like everyone who uses tiktok (laughs) (laughs) i'm so sorry but astrology does not physically make sense sarah speak for yourself sarah because I say this and I'm I'm the bitch who reads my horoscope every Sunday morning. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> we do. I don't believe this, but I just have to check. <laughs> <laughs> we do every Sunday the Sunday newspaper has uh the the weekly horoscopes and yeah, my partner's side of the family we have a video call on Sunday morning to <gasps> Oh. Read out our horoscopes and and up- that's actually so cute. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's fun. <laughs> it is really yeah. fun. Um, so even though I don't believe in it, I can see how, you know, if you're having a really shit time, you do want to kind of just blame it on the universe. So makes sense. But I also kind of like that in that way, you know, it has to get better because everything's moving. You know, yeah. it's just like, oh, okay, I'll wait for, for Jupiter to shimmy on over and we're done. Yeah, exactly. I think I this like week, shit. apparently, something's in retrograde. Some Something's always in retrograde around here. <laughs> 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 uh, I think it's so funny. Something retrograde this way comes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, so, you you know, it's either the stars or uh, the secondary natural cause is old age. Um, if you're old, you're probably a bit sad. <laughs> Get fucked, old people. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, am I not allowed to say that? No, well, no. But also just like, that's also so sad. It's like, oh, well, you know. The black bile buildup is just so big, you know, yeah. at this advanced stage. Nothing yeah. we can do about it, really. Nothing. And You're just old. That's the problem. Yeah, 1600s. The these people were like 50. 
Been like, yeah, you're really, really old. <laughs> You've lived a full life. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so sad. <clears throat> um, so some other causes are, you know, your parents, which I laughed when I read this. I'm like, just your parents <laughs> <laughs> caused your depression. <laughs> um, but I read Is further. incest on the list? Yeah. Um, I read further and he meant like a hereditary disease, which kind of a lot of foresight for a few hundred years ago, this idea that like it was passed on, which I think is still, um, you know, they're still investigating, but definitely different types of mental illness have like a hereditary link where you are more susceptible or more you have a predisposition to having mm. this type of illness if people in your family and especially along your mother's line have different illnesses um mm-hmm. which i think you know nailed it for 500 years ago good on him um yeah that is impressive but i also wonder if just like like, isn't everyone depressed? So it's like, <laughs> if you have parents, you're depressed. Yes. <laughs> yes. If you're old, you're depressed. If you have planets, you're depressed. Like You're depressed. Yeah, you're depressed. pretty much. Um, now he, the, these next couple make, make more sense. Um, like, more, less a bit, like, hand wavy slash it's the god it's the devil more oh yeah you probably should be a little sad um so it is the next one is either the loss of friends or your loved ones so obviously grieving and yeah you should probably that's okay to be sad um that's a a direct one yeah absolutely the the one after that is poverty which yes that will make you sad um yeah what is it pardon what I said, yeah. Say? I said, yeah. hundred no. percent. Poverty. No, Poverty. Poverty. Yeah. Oh. Like when, you know. No, I know. <laughs> Which I mean. I know what poverty is. <laughs> 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 so Lindsay, what is this poverty you speak of? What? I've never heard of poverty in my life. <laughs> oh my God. No, sorry. I thought you said posity. Oh, so I was no. like, that sounds positive. Whatever that is. No, poverty. Yeah, mm. just, you know, having to exist in a world where the fat cats are fat and we are not. Um, <laughs> That's the best not- description of poverty. That was a very, a very good description of poverty. Thank you. Thank you. I'm trying not to be too <laughs> critical on late stage capitalism, but here we are. The world is rubbish. Oops. But if you'd like to come back that, you can sponsor things so that that's good now i guess um another one is like the loss of liberty which absolutely if someone takes away your rights as a human you're gonna feel depressed and i think that's a very valid reason um and then the final one is bad diet uh which (laughs) some specific (laughs) examples Yes, uh, I was hope I'm like I'm like what foods have black bile in them? Yeah, Tell yeah, me. yeah. So the foods that will cause your black bile buildup is bread, which okay. is a shame because everybody loves Damn. bread. But also 1600s weren't people just existing off bread, right? 
So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, drink, which I think he means like alcohol, alcohol yeah. drinks, right. which I don't know about you, but that helps my black bile. Um, <laughs> <laughs> kidding. <laughs> kind of. Uh, and then kinda. Kinda. <laughs> uh, and then unclean water which yeah yes. that wouldn't that would make me so depressed yeah that's gonna make you feel not great um this is my favorite one <laughs> i had to read this twice then uh certain flesh um so no e- yes eating certain bits of animals so like uh the hoofs or the entrails or oh my god you know like forbidden bits and like bolts. humans uh yeah that's probably bad too uh it's probably yeah. on the list <laughs> <laughs> and then finally shellfish just shellfish in general <laughs> stay away wow, crabs fuck them yeah crabs shrimp, lobsters actually wait which again i shrimp, feel like shrimp shellfish this is the rich people eating all the good oh. shit they have the lobster the bread the alcohol and they're telling the poor people don't do it it will make you sad oh my oh yeah we're doing this to protect you yeah <laughs> i'm gonna eat this so you don't have i got you i got you i, I got you you don't have to eat this mm. so i'll eat it oh, yeah oh wow it's so gross so gross mm, sacrifice, so, sacrificing oh, for sacrificing. you mm. that's what i say to my cats when i eat cheese in front of them i'm like this is for your health that i eat this <laughs> you're a better person than me because if i eat in front of lucy i just have to give her some because she gives me the eyes and i'm like oh you deserve oh my it God. my bb nope my cats a don't deserve it b are not allowed to have human food <laughs> A don't deserve it. That's great. <laughs> and then that is really fascinating, though. Yeah, and um, well, to round it all up with your the causes of depression, uh, any of mm-hmm. the seven deadly sins. Just you do oh. any of them, you you're gonna get depressed. That's so, so true. Lust, depressed. Mm-hmm. Gluttony. I guess I'm depressed in retrospect. <laughs> You're depressed in retrograde. <laughs> in retro- okay. <laughs> what else is there? Wrath? I don't know if I really get depressed during wrath. I usually figure that's going to get better. Yeah. Hmm. And so... There's a flaw You know, here. they're the causes. Um, maybe I'll go over just some quick what you might expect if someone has melancholy. So if they've, you know, been cursed oh, like by the, the devil symptoms? or... They've eaten bread. What should you see? Um, okay. Like symptoms? Yeah. The symptoms. Or he described them as like the habits. But yeah, definitely the symptoms. Um, so okay. one, of, one of them, the first one actually, which I thought was quite funny, is dotage. So like someone constantly doting over you and like being a busybody. Uh, oh my God. Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. We need the X-Files theme song again. Uh, The next ones are Frenzy and Madness, which I would probably agree. That's probably a sign that something's not quite right. Um, There's also Ecstasy, though. So, like, Mm. someone feeling really great and 
you know, being a little sexual, maybe, uh, is a sign of melancholy. Oh. Well, I feel like those are normal symptoms of mania, like feeling yeah. top of the world, yeah. bottom of the world, like back yeah. and forth. That's yeah. what I thought too. And this is why, like, reading through some of these things, it's like you see that mixture of him trying to de- – like, he's obviously trying to describe what we now know as depression, but there's so many mental illnesses that are obviously experiences from people who – were described as having melancholy that definitely had more you know sophisticated mental illnesses than just being sad so like like bipolar disorder where people have very very high highs and very very low lows they would have some of those sad symptoms but they would also have you know the you know feel like they're on top of the world for x amount Mm -hmm. of time during their illness so i think he's trying to catalog all of them which is very difficult without actually understanding that they're different um yeah yeah because yeah these don't really they don't really go with the with typical depression symptoms of you know right it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of um diagnosis i guess yeah exactly um and the last two i thought i i I was like, whoa, okay. Um, so one of them is fear of water. What? <laughs> and I just, I want to know the story behind it. I want to know, was he afraid of water? Was Did he meet someone or people who were very afraid of water? Um, right, because I thought you said at first he collected a lot of, like, different people. Like, different I think like, he, observations. I think he... After his first published book, he definitely talked to more people and tried to, like, describe the illness further. But, yeah, the fear of water. And so I read into this a bit because I was like, what the fuck? Why? Oh, nice. Why were these people afraid of water? And they think it was actually people who had rabies um, because we see that in rabid animals, they tend to um, not go towards water. So they get very, very thirsty, but they don't think to drink. Um, and that is a symptom of having rabies, apparently, is like wow. this immense thirst, but not like uh, having that, like, I think it's hydrophobic, like you, you don't want to touch water, you don't want to be wet. Um, yeah, so he's probably, you know, getting these first, secondhand, thirdhand accounts of people who have, you know, this disease of the mind, this black bile that literally have rabies. Um, and a very <laughs> ill. <laughs> that is so crazy. Oh my God. Like I just, wow. I really forgot that people get rabies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Isn't it good living in a world of medicine now? Isn't it good living in a world of, of post, post-human rabies? <laughs> post-human rabies. <laughs> yes. I like it. I appreciate it. Um, wow. Yeah, and then the the final habit that you might exhibit is just general possession, um, which is generally attributed to the devil. Yes. Oh, that kind of possession. Yes, that. T- yes, not just buying a lot of things. <laughs> That's my possession. <laughs> but like full oh on. Oh my god! Full on, get an exorcist up in here type of possession 
Like I've been, I have been doing a lot of shopping lately, and now I'm just going to call it possessed. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I've been possessed. I'm really just possessed. Sorry. Um, so I thought I'd round off my my topic with just some quick cures. So if you're feeling a little a little down, you know you've sinned. The devil's got got you. The stars are not aligned. This is how you might help yourself. Okay. Um, so the biggest one that Burton described is that you need to pour out your secrets. So you need to <gasps> find a friend and you need to just debrief, which he's kind of nailed it on the head. Counseling, like being able to verbally explain your feelings is very, very important. Um, and having someone to do that with is important. So I think that's pretty good advice. Pour out your secrets. That's true. Yeah. I don't know why I went to a dark place with that. Yeah, where did you go with your gasp? <laughs> well, I was at first I was like, well, like, oh, you like go to a priest, like confession, you know. Oh. But then I was just like, wait a minute. Um. I was like, wait a minute. How many people are going to get taken advantage of being depressed and then like being like, this is my social security number? Um, but you nailed it like on that. the head, though, because that's my second recommendation. <laughs> Let's go to the priest. Um, is well, first, uh, pray to God, obviously. Oh my God. Um, and I then yes, the the next one is go to like a holy place to try to try get it like yeeted out of you. <laughs> mm. I'm so sad that I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the world we live in. People get taken advantage of all the time. Wow. But, but yeah. it's like, okay, so now now my question is then, like, telling your secrets, was that supposed to just be to a friend? Or, like, there weren't therapists back then, right? I just assumed that it would be a priest. Um, he described it as, uh, you need to get a trusty friend to whom we may freely and sincerely pour out our secrets. Nothing is so delighteth and easieth as the mind when we have prepared a bosom to which our secrets may descend, of, who, of whose consciousness we are assured as our own, whose speech may ease our scarrowous estate, counsel relieve, mirth expel our mourning, and whose very sight may be acceptable unto us. Um, That's so sweet. Yes, I think it's someone that you like. Chat, a friend. Yeah, a friend. Chat it out to your friend. Have a little gossip session. Oh, that's sweet. I like the way he describes friendship. Yeah. Is that the first recommendation or is that like the, is there a, like a tier to this? Is it like first pray to God, then this or <laughs> what, what, are, what are the tiering here? Actually, you kind of hit it on the head. There's kind of like the tiers. Yeah. So that is one of the okay. first ones. And then, yeah, the next one, you've got to pay to God. You've got to, you know, the other ones are, uh, you've got to reflect on yourself You've got to like give up your sins, things like that. And there's there's one that just says exile. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a question mark on it? Like exile? Exile, um, maybe. It says of body and mind. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that means. I think it might just mean like going out and about. Like vacation? Yeah, like get away from from your from your life from your problems yeah uh, another one is get away from filth 
but yeah dude that's sweet that's great i feel like i learned so much to be like a 1600 psychiatrist (laughs) oh i think it was it was a fun time (laughs) yeah i i I just find it very interesting that he kind of tried piling all those different different things different afflictions i'll say into one and then it's just like oh now it's this amalgamation of all these different mental illnesses that are actually physical illnesses in the case of rabies that's just like oh let's describe them all at once and now now it's just one thing under an umbrella yes (laughs) (laughs) well someone's got to do it (laughs) someone's got to do it yeah well, thanks for hanging out with us, you guys. I learned a ton this time about so many different things. And I always find myself talking about like Drew and Sarah's facts at parties and shit. Not that I really go to parties. <laughs> so I guess it's more like when I bump into my neighbors in like the foyer, I just start talking about fruit incest. But anyway, if you want to come, come hang out with us, um, definitely follow us on Twitter. Go ask Alice Pod. Follow us on Instagram, uh, TikTok. Are those the same, Sarah? I always forget. Literally every but week. They I are forget. different, but basically the same. <laughs> what are they, Sarah? Oh, uh, let me. <laughs> so basically if you know our usernames you have arcane knowledge that you can use to the advantage of peering in on our lives Uh, go ask alice podcast on instagram and on tiktokies (laughs) yeah tiktokies and is it go ask alice pod on on tiktok on Twitter. Okay. Wait, what was the, oh, it was the same on TikTok and, and Instagram. Yep, same on TikTok and Instagram. Great. Great, great, great. Hang out with us. Have fun with us. Answer our question of the week. And we want to know where you've ended up on the internet. What weird things you've learned. What weird facts. What cursed images. And um, somehow strangely mesmerizing videos. But keep it PG. Because I don't need to see any more fruit incest. thanks for hanging out with us and we love steve we love steve (laughs) bye 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 you have you have yards and yards of possibilities